Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the letter of Paul to the Romans and to the third chapter, where we'll begin in a few moments reading in verse 10, Romans 3, and we'll begin in a few moments in verse 10. Father, as we turn to your word, we turn to you, the giver of that word, and ask that you would grant us to understand, to embrace, to love what we find in your word today. And to understand and embrace and love, particularly your son, whom we find in your word. We ask in his name. Amen. Saved. What do you think of when you hear the word saved? Most of us, if I'm correct, probably think of that once and for all event uh, where a sinner is forgiven of his or her sins and declared right in God's sight and guaranteed eternal life upon placing his or her faith in Christ. And that's right. Praise God that to be saved does include these once for all blessings that come to us immediately upon repenting toward God and placing our faith in his son. However, it is well if we hear and take note of the famous observation made by the scholar B.F. Westcott, namely that salvation in the New Testament is in three tenses. I have been saved, which is what we were just thinking about. I am being saved, and I shall be saved. Salvation, in the words of the New Testament, in three tenses. So observed B.F. Westcott. Christians have often expounded on this truth like this. If we're in Christ, then we have been saved once and for all from sin's penalty, which is what we usually think of when we use the word saved, but also we are being saved progressively, day by day, year by year, from sin's power over our lives, and we will someday finally be saved from sin's presence in glory. Indeed, the full saying that Christians have used to describe these things goes like this. If we're in Christ, then through faith in Christ, we have been saved once and for all from the penalty of sin in what the Bible calls justification. If we're in Christ, then by the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, we are being saved progressively from sin's power through the process of sanctification. And if we're in Christ, then when we finally see Jesus, we will be saved finally, from sin's presence in glorification. And over the next three Sundays, as the Lord is willing, I want us to think through those three aspects of our salvation in Christ. 
justification, sanctification, and glorification. I want us to think about how we have been saved, how we are being saved, and how we will finally be saved. And we begin today with a look at justification, with salvation from sin's penalty. And we begin that look by reading now from Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 28. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become useless. There is none who does good, there is not even one. Their throat is an open grave, with their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. I want you, as we think about justification this morning, I want you to imagine a giant blackboard written in with a record of all your sins, your past sins, your present sins, your future sins. A giant blackboard filled in with all of your turning aside, verse 12, all of your destruction and misery, verse 16, all of your lust, all of your gossip, all of your pride, your selfishness, your idolatry, your misuse of God's name, your breaking of the Sabbath, your dishonor to your parents, your unforgiveness the stealing of that baseball card when you were little, your covetousness toward your neighbor, all of your sins written on this blackboard, past, present, and future sins. It would be a giant blackboard indeed, would it not? And on it written what the Bible calls the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against you. On it written your entire rap sheet, as it were. All of your sins. It's a depressing thought. It's an 
ugly thought. But now, picture that great slate wiped utterly clean all the way to the edges, all the way into the corners so that there aren't even any streaks of your sin left on the board. Picture it as clean as when that really um, teacher's pet kind of child would clean the blackboard with water and a rag after school, right? That clean. This is what God does in justification. This is part of what it means, verse 24, to be justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. This is part of the definition of that word justified that we have there in verse 24 and again in verse 28. In justification, when God justifies someone, he forgives their sins and washes away their guilt completely. He cancels out the certificate of debt, Colossians 2, the rap sheet, and takes it out of the way, nailing it to the cross of his son. Praise God for the forgiveness of our sins. Praise God for the removal of our guilt in this transaction called justification. Praise God for the wiping clean of our slates. But then, praise God too, because as we continue to picture the blackboard in our mind, we find that if we are justified, if we are in Christ, not only does God thoroughly clean the slate, not only does he erase our unrighteousness, but he also writes something in, in its place, namely, the righteousness of Jesus. If you're a believer in Jesus... God didn't just clean your slate. He didn't just erase your guilt when you came to Christ. He also actually filled in Christ's righteousness on your blackboard, as it were, in the place of your guilt. He declared you not only forgiven, not only clean from your sins, not only not unrighteous, but he declared you positively righteous in his sight, as though you had been as righteous as Jesus and as though you had done all the righteousness that Jesus did. This is another part of what it means to be, verse 25, verse 24, justified. To be justified is to be declared just, positively just, or righteous, or right in God's sight. This is what Paul is getting at in verse 21 when he says that the righteousness of God has been manifested. Namely, that Christ's righteousness is credited, is imputed, verse 22, to all those who believe so that they are declared positively righteous in God's sight. And it is a declared righteousness, let us note. It isn't accredited righteousness that we receive in justification. Justification is Christ's righteousness credited or imputed to our record by God's declaration, not righteousness infused or imparted to our character by God's transformation. 
Let me say that again because it's important that we understand this. Justification is Christ's righteousness credited or imputed to our record by a declaration of God, not Christ's righteousness infused or imparted to our character by the transformation that God works in our lives. Justification is not a process whereby God makes us more righteous in our character or our actual living. We'll come to that process next week, but it's not justification. Justification, rather, is an immediate and a once and for all declaration by God when we come to faith in Christ that God will from that moment and ever after view us as righteous even though we have not been, and therefore he will ever after treat us as righteous as regards our record before him. It's a declaration that God has forgiven our sins and that when he looks at us, he sees the good record of Jesus written across our blackboards, written into our records, and treats us accordingly. And while we must grow in righteous character, in righteous living, praise God for this once and for all declaration that we are righteous in God's sight the very moment we believe on his son. Because if we believe on that son and are immediately and once and for all declared right with God through him, then even before we become more like him, then we can say with Horatio Spafford, it is well with my soul. Because you see, if God forgives all our sin and declares us righteous in his sight, and if he does so once and for all at the very moment we place our faith in Jesus, then from that moment on, we can say that we have been saved from sin's penalty that our unrighteousness and our lack of righteousness are no longer on the books, and thus that the penalty for them is also no longer on the books. In justification, we realize that we don't have to wait until our character and our behavior have become more and more righteous to know that we are out from under sin's penalty, out from under God's judgment, and bound for eternal glory. In justification, God immediately forgives a person's sin and declares him or her positively righteous in his sight and thus does away with sin's penalty in his or her life once and for all. Praise the Lord. So I'm unpacking this word justified that we find in verse 24, being justified as a gift, and that we find in verse 28, a man is justified by faith. I'm unpacking this word justified. I'm explaining what Paul means by it. Namely this. In justification, God immediately and once and for all forgives a person's sin, declares him positively righteous in his sight, and thus saves him from sin's penalty, from the penalty of his Unrighteous, his own unrighteousness and his lack of righteousness. That's what Paul means by this word justified. That's a basic definition of justification. And I'm going to keep coming back to it. And so if you are keeping notes and you want to write it down, I'm going to say it slowly one more time again so that it's um, in your notes and, and maybe it will be in your mind a little bit better as well. 
In justification, God immediately and once and for all forgives a person's sins, declares that person righteous in his sight, and thus saves that person from sin's penalty. But now we need to add to that definition. We need to deepen it even further, and we begin to do so by highlighting the fact that all of this, this justification is in Christ. In justification, God immediately and once and for all forgives a person's sin and declares that person positively righteous in his sight and thus saves him or her from sin's penalty in Christ. So important that we add those two words to our definition because it is only through Christ that these gifts of God's grace flow. Sinners are justified, verse 24, as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So think about it. How is it that a a holy and just God can forgive sins? How is it that a, a God who's holy and just can clean slates and take away rap sheets? He can't just sweep our sin under the rug, can he? He's just. And we've said before, we want our judges to be just. We want them to deal justly with crimes and with malfeasance. And God is just. And he must uphold justice against sin, the wages of which is death. So how can a God like that who must uphold justice, who must punish, must punish sin with death, actually let sinners go free in justification? How can a God like this forgive sins? How can he be, to use Paul's words in verse 26, how can God be just and the justifier? Answer, through the redemption, verse 24, which is in Christ Jesus, whom, verse 25, God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood. God sent Jesus to die in his people's place as a propitiation, verse 25, as a wrath-absorbing sacrifice, in other words. God sent Jesus to absorb the wages of our sin, to absorb our death penalty for us if we are his so that God could be just in punishing his people's sin and the justifier by punishing Jesus instead of and in place of those people. So you see the Christian's justification, his forgiveness, the covering of his sin, the payment for his sin is in Christ. Our justification is in Christ, and not only so in relation to his or her, the Christians being forgiven, not only in relation to your being forgiven if you're in Christ, but our justification is in Christ also in terms, as I said earlier, of the Christians being declared positively righteous in God's sight, because it is Christ's 
righteousness that is credited to the believer's record. In 2 Corinthians 5, we're told that Jesus became sin in our place if we are his, and that we become the righteousness of God in him. He takes on our sin, and we take on the righteousness of God from him. We get his righteousness. The Apostle Paul, in the passage we read from Philippians 3 earlier in the service, wanted to be found not having a righteousness of his own. He wanted to be found not with his own paltry good deeds written on his slate before God. Because those good deeds would never do. Those deeds could not merit life. Those deeds were tainted, even the best of them, with sin and could only merit death. And so Paul wanted to be found not having a righteousness of his own, but rather he wanted to be found, he says in Philippians 3.9, in him, in Jesus, with Christ's obedience credited to his record, with Christ's goodness and good deeds written across his slate, with Christ's righteousness imputed in place of his own. It's Christ's righteousness that is credited to the believer's record. And so this aspect of justification is in Christ too. It is in Christ whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood that we who believe are forgiven. And is in Christ whose righteousness is credited to our record, whose righteousness is written on our slate that we who believe are declared positively right in God's sight. So back to our definition, in justification, God immediately and once and for all forgives a person's sin and declares that person positively righteous in his sight and thus saves him or her from sin's penalty in Christ, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. But then we must add further to our definition and say that in justification, God immediately and once and for all forgives a person's sin, declares that person righteous in his sight, and saves him or her from sin's penalty in Christ by grace. By grace. Sinners are justified, verse 24, as a gift by his grace. Justification, the covering of our sin with Christ's blood, verse 25, the crediting of his righteousness to our records. Justification is not something that we deserve. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something that we can pay God back for. What we deserve is death. What we have earned is the wages of sin. And let me tell you, even when we come to Christ and our ways begin to change, they never change so much as to repay what God has done for us in Christ. Verse 20, by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in 
his sight. And so if we are to be forgiven, if we are to be declared righteous in God's sight, if we're to be saved from sin's penalty, it will have to be as a gift by his grace. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. We can't pay for it. And so it will have to be a grant of God's unmerited favor to us if we are to be justified in his sight. And not only is justification not something we do deserve and not something that we can earn and not something that we can repay, but neither must we deserve it. And neither must we earn it. And neither must we repay God for it. Justification, the forgiveness of our sins, the imputing of Christ's righteousness, the salvation from sin's penalty, justification really is a gift by God's grace. I just urge you today to receive this gift if you've never done so before. If you're here today and you are hoping maybe consciously, maybe some of us subconsciously struggle with this, hoping that maybe eventually we'll be forgiven and that maybe eventually we'll be righteous in God's sight and that maybe someday we will be free from sin's penalty by all of our doing better and trying harder. If you're here today thinking like that, living like that, walk down that dead end road not one step further today. And instead, receive justification as God's gift, paid for by Jesus. A gift which you may possess immediately, once and for all, today. Or if you're here today, and you think that, you know, actually I'm a pretty good person. I'm sure God would pronounce me right with himself on the basis of how I've behaved Listen once more to verses 10, 11, and 12 and think again about your self-assessment. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. That's true of the preacher and that's true of every person in the pews and every person in the world Today, if we think that we're good people, we're deceiving ourselves. And Paul tells us in verse 20 that a a look at God's law would reveal to us that we aren't good people, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. In other words, if you just take the Ten Commandments and go through them and think about what they really mean and what they really require, you will realize you're not a good person. Commandment number one, have you never allowed anything to take the place of God in your life? Commandment number two, have you never worshipped God in a way that is unworthy of Him? Commandment number three, have you never abused the name of God? Commandment number four, have you always kept His day holy? Number five, have you always honored your parents as God tells you to do? Commandment six, have you never been unrighteously angry with someone? Which Jesus said is really the true meaning of the sixth commandment. 
Commandment 7, have you never committed adultery or even lust? Which again, Jesus says, is adultery in the heart. Commandment number 8, have you never stolen anything? Commandment number 9, have you never in your life been untruthful? Commandment 10, have you never in your life coveted your neighbor's stuff? My friends, just look at the law of God. Look at what God requires of us. Look at what a righteous life really looks like and realize there is none righteous, not even one. And so, if God is going to declare you righteous, it will have to be as a gift by His grace. If God is going to declare you or I righteous in His sight, it will, be ha- it will have to be as an undeserved credit to our records and not as a deserved congrats for who we actually are. And I urge you to receive it that way, as an undeserved gift by His grace. And let me say this as well. You may be here today and you may be concerned that you've sinned your way beyond salvation. You may be concerned that, you know, after all I've done, God's not going to forgive me. God's not going to declare me righteous in His sight, undeserving sinner that I am. Look at me. Well, if that's you today, I remind you from our text that justification is by grace. No, you don't deserve that God would declare you right in His sight or forgive your sins. You can't deserve it, sinner that you are. But you don't have to deserve it because it is a gift of God's grace paid in full by the sinless life and the sacrificial death of Christ and granted to undeserving sinners freely. And I urge you to believe that and to receive this free gift. But how? How do you receive the gift of justification? Not by works. Verse 28, a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So how do you receive it? A man is justified by faith. Or as Paul says it earlier in the passage, through faith. So let's add to our definition again. In justification, God immediately and once and for all forgives a person's sin and declares him or her positively righteous in his sight and thus saves that person from sin's penalty in Christ, by grace, through faith. Justification is received through faith. By the works of the law, verse 20 and following, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through 
faith. Verse 25. So, the righteousness of Christ, verse 22, and the covering of his blood, verse 25, are received through faith, Paul says. Through believing that Christ's sinless life and sacrificial death are enough for your justification and through believing that God's word is true when it says that we may be justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. You cannot and you need not deserve justification. You cannot and need not earn it. You cannot and need not work for it. You cannot and you need not pay God back for it. Verse 24, it is a gift. You don't have to be born, verse 29, into the right religious tradition. Forgiveness of sins, right standing in God's sight, and salvation from sin's penalty are for all those who believe. Verse 22, for all those who trust God in Christ. So won't you do that today? Won't you believe today? Won't you trust God today that Christ is enough and that you really may be justified as a gift by God's grace? And if you are justified, won't you believe afresh that Christ is enough and that you are justified as a gift by God's grace? This believing will exclude boasting, verses 27 and 28, at least boasting in yourself, because you can't boast in yourself over that which you don't deserve and didn't earn and can't even pay back. It will exclude boasting in yourself, but oh, if you will believe today, you will be able to boast with Paul in Galatians 6 in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be able to boast in the Father who demonstrates His own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you'll be able to boast in the Son who loved you and gave Himself up for you. And if you will believe today, you'll be able to boast in the Holy Spirit who opened your heart to do so. And my friend, if you will believe today, God will freely immediately and once and for all forgive your sins by the blood of his son and declare you positively righteous in his sight Jesus own righteousness being imputed to your record and thus he will save you forever from the penalty of your sin in short if you will believe today you will be able to say I have been saved from sins penalty.